The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. All right, Russ, we just had an amazing interview with Jeff Wagner that we get to share with the tribe. What is your biggest takeaway without giving it fully away? Because got, of course, they got to listen to it. Yeah. Well, at one point during the podcast, he said, most people won't recognize this until it happens and won't believe it until it happens. And that is that you will go from a point where you have more access to deals than you have money to do them to then switching to where you have access to more money than you have access to deals. And I think that was a a real kind of light bulb moment for me that we we think small. Sometimes we have this scarcity mentality toward everything. And we think, oh, man, never will I be able to do all the deals in the world because I just won't have enough money to then be into a point where you see deals everywhere. And Robbie Kiyosaki said that, right? That right. million-dollar deals are all over the place. You just have not trained your brain to look for them. But once you become experienced, you understand what deals look like, you will get to a point where you've got way more money, though, than even all of those deals that you see because everybody around you, all your circle of friends are going to say, how can I get involved? Can you take my money and do what you're doing with it? Oh, what was that. your takeaway? Well, I'm, I'm going to go the opposite way. You went kind of more on this abundance track. I'm going to go the scarcity track. Okay. This is This is what... When, when Jeff shared the position he was in in 2010, the position of feeling helpless and his cash flow had dried up, his job went away. This is the, the, the talking point that he shared was cash flow became the biggest focus for him. When it's taken away, when it's no longer there, it leaves a void that is like urgent and important. And for those of you right now who are listening to this podcast, you know that we're in a, a crazy time in our economy. And at any moment, if you are reliant solely 100% on a W-2 income, you may very well be caught in the same position that Jeff was. So I, 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 I want to I push back on this and say, don't think scarcely, think abundantly by building passive income streams. If it's okay, Joe, I'm going to scrub your language a little bit. I'm going to strip away the the prefix of W-2 from that. Okay. If you're dependent on one income, one sole income, because some people have a business that their income is coming from. Some people are working for a business, Right. We know many people in different income, alternative income spaces right now that are dependent upon one income and that income's down 40% already. And they're 
they're wondering what are they going to do. If you're dependent on one thing, this interview should motivate you to build alternative forms of income, right? I've been telling you for years, like I've had this mindset of building at least eight forms of income, right? Don't be dependent on one. Start building the other seven. So that way when the one is down or out, you're not sitting there palms to the sky wondering what am I going to do next? And I think that's the the takeaway that we should all have. Let's jump in right now with our good friend, our passive income mastermind buddy, Jeff Wagner. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome, Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe. Today's interview is with Mr. Jeff Wagner, one of our Passive Income Mastermind members, here to share his journey with you. Jeff, so glad to have you on the show, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Jeff, love it. And excited to hear your story, share it with everybody that are right now on a treadmill, driving down the road, walking the dog, as Joey might be doing, pushing a stroller. Whatever it could be, right? Like somebody's out there listening right now and they want to know why, why was it so important for us to bring you onto this podcast? And I know why. But first, I got to take you to a moment in time where kind of the story started, right? It's 2010-ish and you and a business partner had started up a residential building company. And unfortunately, just like most builders during that time, didn't have a whole lot of houses to sell and that whole business fell apart and you found yourself sitting there wondering what what am i going to do next so me and a me and a business partner we started up a residential construction business and um you know i'm sure everybody knows what was going on in uh 2007 2008 uh we were we had a roaring hot housing market and uh 2007, 2008 is when it started to slow down. And fortunately, I saw that that slowdown coming and we were able to unwind uh, that construction business. And um, I should mention that my partner and I, we both came from the commercial construction side of the the industry. And uh, we started this residential building company. And when we saw what was happening with the residential market, uh, we closed things up and we both, um, having had experience in cons- commercial construction, we went back into that part of the business. Um, unfortunately, uh, the entire economy got pretty bad at that time. And it was a matter of probably about a year or so that it caught up with commercial construction. And uh, things got very, very slow in the commercial world. And at the end of 2010, I was laid off from my job. And that was um, the first and hopefully the only time I'll ever experience something like that because um, uh, that was it. I had a paycheck and then the next day I didn't have a paycheck. 
And I supported a family of five on a $400 a week unemployment check. And that was very difficult. The, uh, construct, the commercial construction industry stayed depressed and it was about a year before I got hired back uh, into oh, wow. the business. And uh, while all that was going on, I vowed, I'm never going to get caught in this situation again. I'm going to do what I need to do to make sure that I'm not dependent solely on that, that paycheck from an employer. So it was a very eye-opening experience for me. Oh, and what else was going through your mind about like the, the future? Like what, what would you need to do differently at that time? Well, what was going through my mind was it was very simple and it was, you know, it was, it was a little bit of uh, beating up on myself because unfortunately I knew what I needed to do. And that was to rely on passive income or, or build up streams of passive income. And uh, the reason I was beating up on myself is because prior to getting into the residential business and, and starting up that company with my partner, I had a multifamily and, and uh, small uh, multifamily residential properties, uh, but I sold all of those to start up the, uh, the residential construction business. So if anybody remembers what it was like in 2007, that was the height of the market. You know, prices were, were at a peak, you know, very similar to today. But um, so I, I, I was a genius. I sold out at the top of the market and then I put all of my money into a business that <laughs> went under. So, um, so that, that's what was going through my mind. It, it, it's like, God, Jeff, you, you, you knew what to do. Just set it up and do it that way again and, and follow the process. Well, I want to dig into that, but I don't want that lesson that you experienced there to get missed. Right. I mean, we, we talk about OPM, and too often times people miss out on the real value of OPM, meaning other people's money. And a lot of times we think about, well, we partner with other people's money. I know that's a big part of your journey. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. But when other people spend money learning lessons, we can benefit from other people's money. So listen to what Jeff just said. I'm going to replay that for you. He just said that he sold at the top of the market. That was half right, right? Because the problem with Wall Street or any of these buy-sell arrangements that exist, you have to be right twice, not once. You got to know when to buy. Got to be right when to buy. You also got to be right when to sell. So you were right when to sell. Right. But what did you buy? You bought something that was wrong to buy at that time. And I think that that oftentimes is missed on people when they're out there playing the accumulation game, playing the Wall Street game. Okay, so sorry to throw that out there, but that's a lesson that I think so many people need to hear sometimes. But you said, I had been buying residential properties. I'd been buying properties in the multifamily space, and I knew that that was my path out. So you you sold all that stuff. You started a business, you unwinded the business fairly rapidly. You went to work for a commercial uh, builder and you got laid off. You endured all of that pain. And now you go back, you, you find a job a year later, you start doing what? Well, I got myself obviously first off settled into the, the new employment situation. And then I uh, took a deep breath and I looked at, well, what is the 
what's going to be the most productive future path for me. Okay. So I knew what was going on and I just want to, I guess, elaborate on a little bit of what you said, Ross is, is, you know, so often people, it's very tempting to get caught up into that buy low, sell high mentality because it seems so sexy, but, um, what, 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 what got me into that and what, what prompted me to sell all of my properties is it's very easy when the economy is booming and things are just, you know, prices are going up. It's, it's so easy to think, oh, this is going to last forever. This time it's different. And, and that's what was going on with me. And um, so, so when I got back to work and I got that situation stabilized, I looked back at it and I said, okay, I knew what the path was. And, you know, I got, I got caught into the, you know, this time it's different mentality. So I'm going to go back to what works and what works is, is always cash flow. It doesn't really matter what you buy these things for. It doesn't matter, you know, what price they say it's worth today. What matters is the recurring cash. And so at the time, um, I had a, uh, my current business partner, uh, our kids went to school together and we were coaching little league together and he has some, he had some investment properties that he owned on his own. And we, we just kind of always started talking about that, about our properties and past investments and everything else. And he, um, he had his going on and I don't know how it happened. We didn't plan it, but all of a sudden we just bought a property together and you know, it was, it wasn't the most sophisticated arrangement. We just kind of pooled down payment money and we, we bought this property and then we did the same thing. We pulled down payment money and we bought a second property and all of a sudden we realized, well, if we keep doing it this way, it's going to be a really short ride because we're going to run out of down payment money, but we knew it was something that we wanted to grow. So we ended up buying a third property and we decided we need to, well, we, we bought it on, um, the, the, the city that we live in is where we own our rental properties. And we bought it under the guise of using a city program for exterior property improvements. And what they, what they said would happen was they would lend you the money and then it would be kind of a forgivable loan. So we went, we bought this, uh, our third property. We were going to use this program well, we never read the fine print of the program. And essentially what it boiled down to is the city owns that property. If you ever decide to sell it, they take all the, the profit and the, the equity gain. And so we looked at it and we thought, well, this is no good. And I remember he and I were standing on the front lawn of this property thinking, well, this program isn't working. How are we gonna, how are we gonna afford this property and what are we gonna do here? And that's when we decided we need to figure out how to use investors and investor funds. And um, his cousin lent us some money and a friend of mine lent me some money and that got it going. Uh, that, that helped us keep that property. And that's how we built the remainder of our portfolio. Right, so let's talk about that. Cause I think that that is a great point that you made one the just the observation that if we just keep using our own money it's limited because we have a limited pool of cash and it doesn't matter how big your pool is there's always a finite amount yet the the three of us have 
someone that I think we all look up to as a mentor. And he has a saying that if you bring me the right deal, I have unlimited money. And the reason it is, is because he knows he has access and can go get access to other people's money. So you and your business partner are sitting there looking at that saying, hey, we've got opportunities to go do this. But what were some of those thoughts going through your mind as to, are we qualified? What am I going to say? Right? Because as I'm walking the dog or riding on the treadmill right now, I'm I said riding. That's Joey. He rides. I, I run on treadmills, but everybody knows what we're talking about at home. Is <laughs> what were some of those negative thoughts that you were having to overcome in your brain and your business partner when it went to okay? Now we're going to go tell people and try to raise capital. Well, I think I think it was the same thoughts that that everybody has. You know, why me? Why would anybody lend me money? You know, what do I bring to the table in the program? And um, you know, there's there's also Russ another saying that goes along with that is you'll go from a point where you'll have more deals than you'll have money for, and eventually you get to the point where you have more money than you have deals for. And I had heard that, and when we were coming up with this plan to start using other people's money and investors for building this, I, I thought no way. There is no way that is ever going to happen. I am never going to have enough money to do all this, to do everything that I want to, because you got to remember, so we started buying our properties, me and my partner in 2012. And that was just when the, when the great recession was starting to upturn a little bit, we could literally decide on a weekend, on a Saturday that we need to find another deal and another property. And we could go out and by that afternoon have an offer in and accept it on a property. There were that many deals out there. So once we did the first couple of those and we, we, we just talked to people, it was people that we knew, friends and family, and we kind of explained what was going on. And yeah, people would dip their toe in the water. They'd lend us a little bit of money on the, on this property. And fortunately, at that point, we didn't need a lot of money because the prices were so depressed. So it was enough to buy and rehab the property. So we would prove out our point that we could renovate, we could get it rented, renovated, and refinance and get all their money back to them. And we did that several times. And then all of a sudden, those same people who were just dipping their toes in the water were coming back to us and saying, oh, I got another 100000 or when can I give you my money back to go into another deal? And it literally got to that point where we had more money than deals. And, you know, the other thing, the other limiting factor thought that I had going into this was in order to build this, I'm going to need, you know, I'm going to need a ton of people. And I don't, I don't know that many people. I'm not a, I'm not a salesman or a marketer. I'm not going to be able to generate this big, you know, investor base. Not as good looking as Joey, you know, all these things. Right. Yeah. I don't have that Golly. big sexy beard or anything like that. <laughs> so I, uh, but the thing is we, we, we did all this with, I don't know, uh, probably about eight, eight investors you know, friends and family. And you don't need a ton of people to do this. I just read this comment. It was so drawing joy. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. 
That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now let's get back to this episode. Well, so, okay, I want to take back to a point there. I love the fact that you shared those limiting beliefs and how you were able to overcome them. But also you were saying that you got to a point where you and your business partner could talk or decide on a Saturday and have an offer in by the end of the day. What do you think that you, what is it that you developed that gave you the ability to go find deals that quickly? Cause I think that's another limiting belief that a lot of people have before when they're just starting out is where do deals exist? How do I know even what a deal looks like? How are you able to one discern what deals look like and then be able to find out where they exist in such a, quick period of time well one the big benefit that i had was having previously invested in real estate so you know that was a slower you know that was a slower time period you know i wasn't finding deals that fast back then and you know you had to analyze deals a lot closer and a lot more accurately so when I bought all those those previous properties, you know, that taught me the skill of analyzing deals. Now, in 2012, when we were buying, I mean, that was truly, I, I believe, a once in a lifetime opportunity. I mean, there were a lot of those deals that we're talking about, we were buying off the MLS. I mean, this wasn't some big, sophisticated letter writing marketing program or anything like that. I mean, these were finding MLS deals. But I think what my previous experience and the ability to understand what a deal was um, allowed us to go out there and confidently look at these properties that the whole world was telling you these aren't worth anything. These properties are only worth $60,000, $70,000. But having past experience, knowing that, okay, these are just really on sale this is going to come back at some point it can generate if it's generating and, and even if even if it turned out that these properties never got to be worth more than you know 70 80,000 they were generating big rents for me and so well, that's what i was focusing on well, the, well yeah you you got really clear at that moment when you saw your one form of income taken away right right that paycheck was gone the immediate thing, and, I, and again, try and pay attention to this, cash flow became super important. <laughs> and it was what you were focused on. So when the rest of the market is looking at these properties as, ah, I don't know if they're worth that much, you weren't looking at the value. You're simply trying to solve a cash flow problem. And by the way, we all have the cash flow problem. In this market right now, the reason I love your story, Jeff, is there are people that need to be woken up to the fact that their sole income source, that W-2 income is not guaranteed, right? right? The market that we sit in right now is on the precipice of falling out and 
finding people in the same position potentially that you were in. So that's why this is such a timely thing for us to talk about. Now, once you, once you were building this portfolio, did you have a goal that you guys were working towards in terms of a total amount of cash flow you're trying to build or a total number of properties or anything specific like that? Well, that, that plan wasn't thought out any better than our plan to start buying properties together. I mean, we just started buying properties and, and I remember at one point, I don't, I don't know, oh boy, I don't know how many units we had at that time. We maybe had a dozen, a dozen units. And, um, we thought, my God, if we could get, you know, if we could get 30 units, holy cow, we would be crushing it. And, uh, all of a sudden one day we had 30 units and, um, you know, as it sits right now, we have, uh, we have 58 units that we, we own and manage and, you know, we're hands-on landlords and, um, yeah, we never really had a, a, a plan other than, um, you know, how much can we effectively handle and what kind of monthly distribution will it produce for us? Well, I mean, 58 units. That's awesome. That's amazing. Like from, from where you were sitting in 2010 with no income coming in and now what has 58 units been able to do for you? 58 units is producing a larger annual income than what I made at the company that hired me back in 2010. That's awesome. So. And speak about not just what the numbers mean, but what does it mean for you now in terms of today's economy? What does it, what does it mean to you besides just the numbers? Well, it means security. It's, it's peace of mind and, and, um, you know, getting involved with, with you guys and, you know, I was a part of your passive income mastermind, but before that I've, I've been a longtime listener to the podcast and, um, you know, a, a IBC customer of yours. And, um, it's, it, it's, it's that peace of mind of knowing that the paycheck is there, but it doesn't need to be there forever. And, you know, so that's, that's one of the big things that I'm working on is, is, you know, hopefully in pretty short order, I'm going to ditch the W2 job and, uh, you know, be able to work, work on my own terms. You know, I'm not going to be a, a retired guy where I just sit around, you know, I'm going to be working, but I'm going to be working on my own terms and my own, my own projects. So. Oh, I love that. That's music to my ears. Now I don't want to miss this point because there's a lot of folks that, we engage with that are real estate professionals or that they have built investment property portfolios and so on. And they heard you say, I, I worked with you with infinite banking. Why was infinite banking important to you? Like what was it about infinite banking that made you engage with that strategy when you it seemingly you could have just kept going using capital from other people in your own to build this portfolio? Like, why was that important? Well, I'm a, I'm a very curious person and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear a lot of different ideas and concepts. And quite a long time ago, I, I got exposed to the 
infinite banking concept. And and I read Nelson Nash's book probably, geez, I, I bet you I read that thing 10 times. And, and it's one of those things where it's such a, it, it's such a different way of thinking than what most people do that it doesn't click right away. So I was re- I read it and I read it and I would kind of get it. And then I'd come back and I read it again. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, close to the 10th time, it's like it clicked for me. I was like, oh, okay. I, now I see what he's doing. And, um, you know, so I wanted to build that. Um, again, it, it kind of, it leads to this whole freedom concept that you're, that, that we're talking about, you know, cash flow leads to freedom. And the infinite banking is just another tool in the arsenal that leads to freedom because every, no matter what you get, whether it's a, a, a paycheck salary or a cash flow income, you need a place to put that money. And, you know, it, it just made sense to me that it was a, it was a great place to put the money and it, it, it did other things for you as far as access to cash and, and, you know, that gets to be a big thing when you're dealing with real estate, you deal with a lot of lenders and you understand how difficult it can be. So it just, I think what I looked at it for initially was, um, I, I viewed it more as an emergency fund for me, but as I've gone further on this journey and listening to you guys and the different ways that it's, um, discussed to me, it's become more of a, a tool for investments along with the, the emergency fund type of use. You said something in that, that the concept of infinite banking, reading that book, listening to how Nelson Nash, the author of the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, talked about this, is that it's a different kind of thinking than most people do. I would argue that it is thinking and most people don't think. <laughs> Nelson True. Nash, he would commonly say that, <laughs> True. That, that, that 5% of the people think 10% of the people think that they think and 85% of the people would rather die than think. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is absolutely thinking and it is planning and it's trying to figure out, as you said, how does this tool fit into what I'm already doing? And as you mentioned, just one of many things, it's a storage house for wealth. Right. As we start to wrap up here, I don't want to lose the opportunity to just pick your brain Obviously, we've paid you millions of dollars for any positive responses you give in this last segment here. But seriously, people ask all the time, help me understand the passive income mastermind. And clearly, Joey and I are partial, right? Like this is something that we we literally birthed and I think we have the pains for it, right? We're, we're birthing people when it comes to masterminds. I'm trying my best to make Joey feel awkward. So awkward. From your perspective, what has the passive income mastermind meant to you as a member? Well, first off, I'm, I'm a fairly new member. I think I've only been involved for a couple of months here. And um, I do want to take a little bit of a step back because uh, back in beginning of 2018, I did get involved in another mastermind group. And that was my first experience with the whole mastermind concept. And, you know, I, I always kind of prided myself on being a little bit of a, a lone wolf and approaching things, you know, on my own and, and everything. But back in back in 2018, when I did this, I, I had some discussions with my wife and I said, you know, everything that I'm doing here from a financial perspective, 
I, I feel like I, I just don't have the sounding boards that I need and, and the people to share this with. I mean, I have me and my father, we were involved in, in some of my early investment real estate and we had a business together. And then um, my current business partner, you know, those two guys I, I can share some of this stuff with. And um, but neither of them were real involved in the personal development space. And I told my wife, I said, I, I feel like I need a I need to level up my peer group, you know, people that are a little bit more into the personal development and, and wanting to learn about these types of things. So I found uh, the, the first mastermind group that I joined. And um, through that, I became part of a small accountability group within there. And uh, there's seven of us. And we've been together since the end of 2018. We have weekly Zoom calls on Monday evenings, and they're all real estate investors. And we we talk about anything and everything. It's not just financial. It's not just um, you know business, but it's health and spirituality and relationships and things of that nature. And that really opened my my mind to the the whole mastermind concept and the the extreme value that it can bring if you find the right group. So I had an opportunity to talk to Joey. I, I had a question for him and he called me and, and I don't know if you remember this, Joey, but at the end of that conversation, he, uh, he said, hey, hey, Jeff, you're, you're an accredited investor, right? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, we're starting this mastermind group that you might be interested in. And, you know, I tell me more, you know, so I, I found out about it and I think it, it took me just a couple of days. I just you know, discussed it with my wife about, you know, the financial impact of it and everything else. But um, I joined as quick as I could because I knew the benefit that comes with this. Um, I've been involved for a couple months. The Austin event was my first um, in-person face-to-face event with everybody. And man, this is a powerhouse group. It's, it's, amazing the the caliber of the people that you got in this in this group um you know i feel like i'm i'm doing pretty good but when i got around that group i thought man jeff it's time to step things up you know and it wasn't none of that was presented in any sort of um chest thumping arrogant type of way it was just people talking about the things that they're doing and it's it's amazing when you get yourself around the right people how how just through osmosis it, it lifts you up so I love I love the power of leveling up. Um, it, the 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 beautiful thing about this group, as you mentioned, is there's an authentic authenticity to that group. It's not just a bunch of people walking around with bravado. It's literally like you want to be better because of the people that are in there. And, and no one person no yeah, one person sticks out as like, oh man, they're the you know. The, the person everybody's striving to be like, it's just, man, we, we can do better because collectively we have these experiences we're sharing with one another. And, and that's why we wanted you to be on the show today, because you do that for each one of the people in that group. Um, I, I know several people pointed out your impact on just the Austin event alone and, and just, just super impressed with you and, and your approach to it because you bring a lot of value. Um, well, thank you, Russ, Russ, any, any, uh, parting thoughts before we wrap up today? Well, uh, thank you, Jeff one for, for coming on really appreciate you and sharing your story. You had nothing 
to to share. This isn't a moment to sell anything. It's just to share. And I appreciate yeah. that about you. I'm grateful and uh, leveling well, I up. I appreciate I mean, you, the invitation. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you talk about leveling up. I mean, see what Joey's been able to accomplish since meeting me. It's been an amazing journey for him. <laughs> <laughs> He, he definitely resonated with that. I saw him smile immediately. <laughs> and uh, But it, it is really, I, I feel like you, you shared a story that we can all relate to or can be thinking about as it relates to, okay, one, what is it like if I do lose income? Why does real estate fit, right? It matched your DNA. You had an expertise. You leaned on the expertise that you had. The more you can push into the things that you already know about yourself, why the investor DNA is so vital for people. Don't get outside of your lane. Focus. Go deep. Go, you know, find partners, find mentors, find a support team, as you said, that can help you find ways to do it better. And I, I love the way that you shared about the, you know, overcoming some of the mind trash that you had, head trash that you had when it came to raising capital. And then just getting to a point where now you have more income coming in from your passive activities. I mean, as much as real estate can be passive, we know it's not fully passive, but it's less active than having to show up every day at a specific time and leave at a specific time and ask off at a specific time and wonder, is this the holiday I get off or is it not? I don't remember all that stuff, right? We all can relate to that moment. So thank you for just being vulnerable to share all of that stuff with us. We've benefited from it. I hope that you've enjoyed hearing Jeff's story. As Joey mentioned, um, Jeff is not the only member inside this Passive Income Mastermind, but he's also not the last member. We would love to see if this is a good fit for you. If you're an accredited investor, you feel like you have more to learn, but also more to give, then go to westwaltwallstreet.com forward slash club 200, and you can apply as well as learn more right there about what we do in these meetings every single month and then some of the live meetings that Jeff referred to. So long, long way to end this, but grateful to have you on, Jeff. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.